Time Bandits, Time Bandits is the podcast where every two weeks we go back in time 25 years to the year 1990 to celebrate celebrate the silver anniversary of a film and an album from that year. My name is Greg Legro and I'm looking at Dan Gorman. What's the score, babe? Oh, I didn't plan. No. <laughs> <laughs> I got nothing. Nothing. All right, your score is zero. Yeah, did you learn anything from that special guest? I did not learn anything. No, from I don't that. suppose you did. Yeah, There's now no I'm looking at our learned. special guest, Anthony East of the 1992 <laughs> Toronto Blue Jays. What's the score, babe? What's going on? Just, uh, I'm here. This is great. Well, I wish I had more information, though. Yeah. I'm learning from Dan there. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, geez. Uh, zero, zero tie between you two right now. <laughs> uh, hopefully things will improve. Uh, that's the only people I'm looking at because Casey Lyons is not here today. We had p- postponed this episode specifically so we could have him here. That's why Dan and I watched Roller Gator. Yeah. Uh, had a great, great time with that. And uh, hoping to get Casey on this conversation, but Casey couldn't be here because he's uh, busy being a dad. Yeah. Yeah, the baby came last, uh, or this morning, really. Yeah. Uh, but it started last night, so he's uh, enjoying that. And we are enjoying delightful... <laughs> Uh, odd couple comedies. We're gonna get through and this. some thrash metal. <laughs> um, so you know, uh, Casey's gonna hold down 2015 for us. So why don't we get into a time machine? That's what I didn't do. Let's use your. Ba- We're in your basement again, Dan Gorman. Oh, yeah. I do like your light switch time machine. I'll I'll pull the light switch. <laughs> Should we go? Okay. Clink. Oh, oh, it's bright and older in here. Uh, it is February 2nd, 1990. Mm, I know you're enjoying the spring weather. It's just become summer. We just had the longest day of the year. Everything is just a downhill into sadness from here. But it's uh, February in 1990. We could have seen anything we wanted to in theaters. We could have seen Flashback, which I, of course, saw in theaters with my mom. I don't know what that is. That's uh, Kiefer Sutherland and Dennis Hopper. Dennis Hopper is an old hippie that the FBI wants, and Kiefer Sutherland is the straight-laced FBI agent who has to take him across the country on a train. And guess what? He doesn't get the 60s, man. Oh, what? <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I saw my mom. She adored it. Um, it's not a good movie. We could have seen Stella. That's got uh, uh, Bette Midler in it and John Goodman. Stella. <laughs> That's all they do in it. We got to watch Tremors again, which is probably the right thing to do. Everybody wins. I don't know. Everybody would have won if we watched Tremors. That's true. Let's see. <laughs> this is all right. Um, but we didn't see any of those movies. We, of course, watched the delightful comedy. <laughs> I don't know what to call it because it's not a comedy. We watched the delightful movie. Heart Condition, starring Denzel Washington and Bob Hoskins. We also listened to the seminal album by Megadeth, Rust in Peace. We'll get to that later. Let's talk about Heart Condition. Uh, Which I saw. I did see this. This is not my first viewing of Heart Condition. I saw this when I was a kid, probably with my mom. Um, 
It tells the story of a uh, bigot cop who eats terrible food and smokes too many cigarettes, uh, who then gets a heart transplant of the dead lawyer that he hates, who's also a black guy. And so because he has his heart, as science would decree, he can, of course, see his ghost. And now they must solve the dead lawyer's murder. Mm-hmm. Had you seen this before? Uh, no. I why no? I mean, why, <laughs> why would I? Why would I? <laughs> no, man. Um, I never even heard of this movie until Greg mentioned it to me. Uh, it's simply mind blowing. Yeah. It's real. Yeah. The, the part the part of the synopsis which they always leave out, which is really the icing on the cake for me, is the hooker love interest yeah for the two of them that absolutely they're both they both uh, they have more in common than just bigotry and racism and hearts they also are in love with the same hooker <laughs> uh played by the delightful chloe webb who i really like chloe webb most people know her from either playing nancy spungen or uh of course is the love interest for danny devito and twins and i don't know what happened where she was then tasked with hey you're going to be the lady who has to date all the short, fat dudes that don't got hair, because that's your thing. What a bummer. Sorry, Chloe Webb. You're a delight. You deserved better. <laughs> yeah, I I did not know what to expect from the way that this movie is pitched from the poster to the write-up and the trailer, and then I watched it, and I was like... Oh boy! Yeah, the oh, like even as the movie flows, because the opening sequence into what then comes, none of it fits right. Oh yeah, the the credits start off. It's it almost seems like it's gonna be like a serious like kind of cop. Movie. Oh yeah, the credits are rolling. I'm like, oh, we're we're getting a sleazy film. Yeah, All right, yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's it's gritty. Like, yeah, there's a bunch of well, you drugs. start off with a hooker double hooker sex scene with some yeah. mas- masks and drugs, uh, which you know, fun. You know, that's the nice lighthearted comedy I signed up for. <laughs> and, of course, the John dies. I don't know why I said of course, but if he dies. Mm-hmm. And uh, the one hooker is uh, Chloe Webb, and she's taking all kinds of pictures of it because that's what hookers do. And then we get a title splash, <laughs> and we meet Bob Hoskins eating terrible food. Mm-hmm. I realize that most people probably don't remember this movie well or haven't seen it, and it's remarkably hard to track down. Uh, this is, you're not going to find this on YouTube's. You're not going to find it on the Netflix. Um, Dan Gorman will have to send it to your Dropbox. <laughs> I think that's the only. Yeah, one. I'll get it for you if you want it. I'll get it for you. I'm the I'm quartering the market on heart condition. I've been sending out letters to like there's no torrents for it because I've been sending like kickass.to like hey, you're not allowed to have this. It's mine. So yeah, and the opening credits is like it has this kind of 80s neon colored font and it keeps intersparse interspersing like the nudity and the kind of like like hooker scene and you're like yeah. when is this gonna get to what this movie's about <laughs> yeah not, not only that but there's also like there's the really weird scat music oh, going out God. through like the entire movie which pretty much is what got me through the movie yeah well there's a remarkable inconsistency with the score or not score but just like I don't know, sound punch-ins that come in throughout this movie. There's some really weird <laughs> shit. So Bob Hoskins is this racist, shitty cop who, uh, well, I don't know, maybe he's good at his job. He's up for a promotion, um, as we find out. And uh, he, yeah, he eats awful food. He smokes cigarettes. He hates everybody. And it's delightful. 
but uh, we find out he really hates Denzel Washington because Denzel Washington, I guess, was banging his hooker. Yeah, but it's Is not. That why? Is that why? I don't know because it's kind of like because he gets into a car chase with him because he sees him and he's like stone and he's supposed to be going. He's left his poor little buddy partner who uh who's the young guy who doesn't know what he's doing who's picking up a hooker which is I guess how he met his uh <laughs> and they're like on a hooker sting or something like that and the 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 young guy the young cop that's uh he's the double dip guy from Seinfeld. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh wow, I didn't so, know that. Yeah, no, well, I was looking at him I'm like, "What the fuck do I know you?" And I'm like, "It's probably Seinfeld." <laughs> if, if you don't, if you don't know why you recognize somebody from 1988 to 1995, it's because of Seinfeld. <laughs> uh, so yeah, he's the double dip guy when George is double dipping. Um, so they're on a sting or whatever, and then Bob Hoskins sees. Does Denzel Washington slap Chloe Webb? Is that what happens? Uh, like he like accidentally slaps her, <laughs> as you often do. Yeah, that that confused. I saw this movie twice recently, just because I had to. Like, I had I'm to, glad that you refreshed on it. Yeah, it's I had very to. professional because I I saw that and I still can't figure it out because it's weird because she goes to, she grabs he just gets pissed off because the whole arm thing like he moves her arm she gets really pissed yeah, off yeah, and then yeah. that's when Bob Hoskins like nope yep stop I'm just gonna pull out my gun yeah, and start shooting, at shooting at you. in the middle of the street <laughs> I'm gonna shoot it yeah yeah I don't know any of the plot because. The way that this movie doles out its plot is so bizarre. It seems so, like, under-edited or something. It's like, okay, he sees him and he gets mad, but then you realize later when there's a reveal, kind of, that it's because they both know the hooker. I was like, I don't understand what their relationship is to each other except for that they get angry when they see each other. Yeah, I just realized something. As I watched this movie this morning... I don't know why Denzel Washington was murdered in this movie. I haven't a clue. I don't know what the bad guy's up to. No. I really don't know. And they never tell you why either. That's no, the well, maybe they did. I know I zoned I'm out a couple sure of times. I definitely zoned out a couple of times. But at the same time, I just realized now, because I watched it all, I'm like, okay, I, I have things to say about this. But I realized I don't know what was going on in this movie. I don't have a fucking clue. I don't know why they killed him. Uh, did you? Does anyone know? No, they... Uh, I... I <laughs> The only the best thing I can come up with is like deal gone wrong. There yeah. was some kind of deal gone wrong because lawyer, right? Yeah. So Denzel Washington's a lawyer for the who prostitutes. Likes prostitutes is he is the he goes, he, is he their lawyer? That's that's, a, that's what that's the is he the lawyer it? to the yeah. lady of the night? Is yeah, that his specialty? That. I think so. Apartment too. He's, he's, he's really. He's, I didn't know they, they could pony up so well for lawyers. Yeah, that's what he says in the movie. He's not the lawyer to the pimp. He's the lawyer for the hookers. Holy shit! They got their yeah, own the, representative. It, it seems like there's something going on with him, like dealing with stuff that other lawyers wouldn't. And that's maybe how he like yeah. got his money or something. Yeah, like a dirty, like he's just a dirty lawyer that is banging Bob Hopkins' hooker. Oh man, okay. weird. <laughs> yeah. Oh. And then it's just the only. Then it's just that what loses me is yeah. You never find out what it happens to him or why he Denzel gets capped. <laughs> yeah. And then Bob Hopkins wakes up and it's like all of a sudden you have Denzel's heart. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I will also know before we go too much further that uh, uh, Denzel Washington was talked into doing this yeah. movie by his agent, whom he immediately fired. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, that's right. <laughs> yeah, and he didn't do a comedy again for like 
a long time. Two guns. Yeah. And yeah. that's not even a straight up comedy. No. That's an action comedy. And there is there was another one as well that I read on the Wikipedia um, that he did in like, I think it was like 90, 98 or 99. That was kind of a comedy. Oh, there's like a Shakespeare sort of comedy. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. but that's not, listen, uh, hundreds of uh, jokes that are hundreds of year old. Uh, not not a comedy. Don't count as jokes. Not a big risk, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah, fuck it. It doesn't count. Yeah. No, when he gets the heart transplant and wakes up, the okay no so hold on <laughs> <laughs> we we don't just the fact that he eats terribly and is a smoker and is over the age of 40 and clearly not in great shape and obviously chasing there's a lot of fantasy in this movie too because it's really hilarious that this movie takes place in a world where bob hoskins can keep pace on foot with denzel washington <laughs> In 1990. <laughs> Denzel's like, what, 28 here? Yeah, yeah, I know. yeah totally. He can totally keep up with them. Um, so, and you can tell that he's like, he's gassed and he looks like shit after he runs down Denzel. So, you but they, they have to sell it even more. He gets home with his, and he just drinks Jim Beam out of the bottle for dinner. And he also feeds it to his cat. His yeah. cat's an alcoholic as well. <laughs> That's the best. The cat, they're not even mixed with something. He just pours it in the bowl and the cat's like, giddy up. Let's do this. This is our life. Um, he gets, uh, well, and he drops an N-bomb on Denzel. He slugs him in the stomach and calls him the N-word. And then he gets reamed out by his captain, who is played by TC from Magnum P.I. Mm-hmm. No helicopter, but he's still cool. Uh, and he finds out he's not getting his promotion anymore. Uh, and in fact, he is suspended. And he does run into Chloe Webb, and they have a conversation about something. And then he goes home, drinks whiskey with his cat, and drops on the floor with a heart attack. Yeah, and... Okay, so before I reference the waking up scene, I yeah. just need to say that this movie was frighteningly unfunny. <laughs> Terribly unfunny. There's not a single... I didn't laugh at anything. I can't remember the last time a comedy that we watched for Time Bandits was so desperate for laughs and none were in sight. None at all. Like, Denzel's... There's another reason. It's not just that he was in this horribly uh, mishandled racial comedy... Uh, that he didn't do comedy again. He's not a funny guy. And Bob Hoskins is like, he's the foil. He's the, like, he's great. He, Bob Hoskins is an excellent actor. Do not get me wrong. He's very good at being the angry guy who's not down with the situation. He's perfect in Roger yeah. Rabbit. Perfect guy for that. He's funny because he can't stand the situation. It's not that he's cracking the joke. So you don't have anyone in this movie who's actually good at selling the humor yeah. you have people who can react to it i guess but man this is not a funny movie it's a really uncomfortable watch the whole through it's not as uncomfortable as like soul man or other misguided racial movies but oh, see thomas howell yeah that's it i tried to watch soul man last night oh my god <laughs> um because i bought it on vhs so i popped it oh, in yeah, i popped did. it a lot like last night i was like i'm gonna watch this i've had it for a while and i turn it on and Scary Movie 3 starts playing on TBS Superstation. What? It got taped over? Somebody was like, I'm dying to watch Scary Movie 3. <laughs> so I'll what should... over Soul Man. Yeah, so wow. what can I get off my wall? I'll get Soul Man. <laughs> <laughs> and I do want to mention, because I tweeted this and, it, and nobody really uh, reacted to it, but there was a... Because com- I was like, I guess I'm watching this now. Does it have the commercials? It has commercials. Amazing. So there is a commercial from when they played this movie on Superstation. It was an advertisement for Shanghai Noon on Superstation. <laughs> and they the, the commercial goes, you've seen, you, you've heard the buzz, and it shows footage from Shanghai Noon with, like, nice music over it. And I'm like, 
okay, what? <laughs> and I realized they've re-edited footage from Shanghai Noon to look like Brokeback Mountain. And they're like, now catch the romantic cowboy movie everyone's been talking about. Shanghai Noon, Plutonic, though, or something. Wow. <laughs> so this was not a long time ago, this taping of Scary Movie 3. Scary no, movie it three? Scream Three, Scary Movie, Scary three. Movie yeah. three. Oh God! No, and and the, it was the it was from the TBS rebrand. TBS, very funny. Oh <laughs> man! I was just like, they thought it was okay to be like, let's make Shanghai Noon look like Brokeback Mountain, but then and then we'll be like, but it's the Plutonic Cowboy love story. Yes. <laughs> like what? Yeah. Anyway, Soul Man still did haven't seen it. No, it's, it's an elusive fish. That's a it's a troubling movie. I want to find Soul Man again. I'm a little afraid to watch it, though. I feel like that's a real uncomfortable sit-through. Yeah. I don't know. This movie's not, like, crazy racist, but no, it's... There's yeah. no one's in blackface. No. no. You know, there's no race. There's no... Uh, what's what's her, what's her name there? The uh, <laughs> That lady who's been identifying... Oh, Rachel. The, yeah, Rachel, whatever. There's nothing, you know, as horrible as that. Yeah. But it's still, like, uh, this is... No one learned anything. Yeah, it's um, it's like it's trying to be an after school special. Like it's some of the messages in it, like in the racially, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. But I mean, Bob Hoskins doesn't learn anything. No, he at does any not. Point. He doesn't learn anything about black culture. Nothing happens except for he just grows accustomed to Denzel following him around. Yeah, yeah. and to like smacking the cigarettes out and yeah, yeah, eat, yeah. Eat better. Yeah. Oh yeah. If you like the joke when somebody is doing something and then a ghost is trying to stop them from doing it and so it looks funny that they're fighting a cheeseburger in midair or something yeah. you will think everything in this movie is hilarious there's a great deal of that so bob hoskins hits the floor with a heart attack and then we cut to him at the hospital and they're like oh man we got a heart donor for him and they open up the body bag and you see that it's denzel and this was one of the first moments of uh Music or a, a soundbite plugged in. Scuba ba -boom ba -boom -bo. Yeah, that weird like. Yeah, I, I I don't know what else to call it. African like acapella music, something. Yeah. I'm I'm not a choral. Yeah, like I was like, why this has not been established? Yeah. Uh, he's just a African American guy. Who That's actually state. maybe the most insensitive thing in the movie. That every time Denzel Washington is on on screen, it's like an African choral chanting yeah. kind of like hum. And you're like, yeah. oh no 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 no. no. Do that? Why would you do that? And it's like, oh, he's dead. And here's his. This is his jam, I guess. Yeah. This is all we had on a uh, quick. Uh, uh, and then Denza or uh, Bob Hoskins wakes up in the hospital, and his friends know, and so they've bought him a black dildo. You know, because uh, he used to be white, right? <laughs> <laughs> now um, he's black. He is not happy about it because he finds out that he's got... Uh, does he know right away whose heart it is? Is that a thing? Is that a conflict? Of, I guess if you're going to die and you need the donor, they'll put anybody's heart in you. As long as you, you probably want it. But If the movie Body Parts has told me everything, yeah. if you die, you, <laughs> you inherit the person's uh, donor's uh, attributes. Totally. It's scientifically sound. If you, uh, if you get somebody else's body part, uh, Jeff Fahey will get you. Um... <laughs> So, yeah, he's not happy about it, and he's supposed to eat right. He goes back to work. He's been, like, but you're, like, busted down to desk duty, Bob Hoskins. So he's wearing the old, uh, you know, the blues, and he's got uh, his, his uh, carrots and celery and uh, apples for lunch. And uh, he's then he says, screw it, and he goes out to get a burger and sm smoke some cigarettes. And that's when he sees dead Denzel telling him to stop eating the burger, and they have a fight over the cheeseburger, which is... 
stunningly unfunny. Oh, it's the worst. Uncomfortable. Oh, this movie. Um, it's literally the worst. It's really horrible. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, and then it's just, and he just kind of, he's not really shocked or surprised that he can see Denzel. It's just like, ugh, you. <laughs> he won't talk to him. He's just, I, I don't understand the tone of this movie. And then this is where we start getting a lot of like, boing, sound effects yeah. in here too. And I'm like, I don't know what movie this is anymore. Yeah. And then there's also, like, oh, oh, when he sees Denzel for the first time with the burger, he looks up and the camera pans up and you get the African chanting music again. And I'm just like, don't. We just did this five minutes ago and it was uncomfortable. Oh, yeah, if you think they're going to stop that, they don't. They don't at all. They're like, oh, this is gold. <laughs> and then there's really, really weird scenes like with uh, Denzel's mom. Yeah. She's, she's going through like, she's reminiscing through all of his stuff. And it's like, this is kind of like. You're really overacting for this piece of shit. Yeah. Like, there, there's scenes like that where they're really trying to hold it together. Yeah. And I know it was the director's first movie, and he yeah. was probably just like, I'm going to try to get the best out of everything that I can here. <laughs> and then it just goes right back to, like, weird sh- shit. Yeah. I can't believe you watched this twice. Yeah, well... <laughs> Hey man, I uh, <laughs> the first time I watched it, I was ready to go, and then Casey couldn't do it, so I'm yeah. like, well, I got to brush up on it again. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I'm glad. I, I mean, if I if we two weeks from now, I'd need to see it again because it just the the finer points wouldn't really uh-huh. stay in my mind. And there's a lot of weird dialogue in here and things that and, don't. Uh, in the hooker with the heart of gold, this is this really I really okay. This is where I put a lot of thought into it. Uh-huh. So so she's a hooker, mm-hmm. heart of gold, heart of gold, mm-hmm. um, an artist. Trying to go to art school, who you then find out has a kid, which that child later on is in the middle of the gunfight. Right. While she's high on heroin. Yeah, but Mm. she's good Mm. and just trying to be an art student, making her way. Well, it wasn't her heroin. (laughs) (laughs) I, yeah, and this, this was actually, I watched this with Emma because I thought, like, heart condition, it'll be like a wacky comedy. Yeah, we'll yeah. have some laughs. It's got that delightful Bonnie Raitt song in it. It's going to be a fun time. <laughs> I, I, I was like, I'm so sorry. Yeah, this is uh, not a good movie for anybody. Yeah, M saw me watching this. I was lying in bed watching, and M was, like, you know, ready to come in. She'll cuddle up and watch it. And then she caught five minutes of it and was like, and I'm out. Like, this is, yeah, yeah, this yeah. is, this no, is just no, fucking is, crazy. Yeah, no good. Oh, man. Um, and this was the first thing that Denzel was in after he won the Oscar. Yeah, you go from Oscar winning <laughs> yeah. for Glory, which is a great movie, and he's amazing in it, to this. And it's that, like you find that all the time when somebody gets the award. There's this like jump to, uh, hey, popular movie. Yeah, do you think that's... Because I know in the case of Jamie Foxx, he did Stealth right after he won, but it was like he had already shot it. Yeah, yeah. Well, probably, and this, who knows when things are shot, you know, schedules are all over the place, but it feels like, I feel like maybe his agent pushed for this. Again, his agent talked him into it. He didn't want to do it. Mm-hmm. Gotta show your range. Yeah, it's just like, come on, we're gonna get you in a big comedy, you just got the award, you know, we're gonna make you a big, big star, Denzel, and then, yeah, just like this, yeah. Wasn't oh, that Die Hard? Was yeah. It? <laughs> come on, give <laughs> Wasn't that good. the same for uh, Bob Hopkins as well? Like, wasn't this the first movie he did after Hoskins. Roger Rabbit? Sorry, sorry. Yeah, no problem. Wasn't the first one he did after Roger Rabbit as well? well Roger, yeah, Roger Rabbit was 89, so this would have been right after that. Yeah, because this is when he started popping up in bigger movies, where he was sort of a bit of a leading man for a little while, mm-hmm. and he's gonna get the Super Mario Brothers movie just after this. Yeah, yeah he's got he's got cachet because uh, yeah, Roger Rabbit was huge. Yeah, and he was great in it. He's a great actor. He's done a bunch of these. He's done just really good uh, 
uh, sort of noir uh, movie called Mona Lisa. Yeah. It's really, really good. Um, from like '87 or something like that. He's a terrific actor. Yeah, and but boy, this movie. Yeah, and to be honest, like Denzel, he does a good job playing like the cool kind of crass dude in it. You know sure. what I mean? Like, I mean, he's a good, he's a great actor too. But nothing in this movie works for any. Nothing goes as far as it needs to. Except for the bigotry. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> That's just as far as it needs to. But it's all just from the one guy. And again, he doesn't learn anything. No. There's at no point that he's like, uh, oh, I see how you came up through life or your perspective on things. He just like, because Denzel takes him out and buys him a suit and gives him a makeover. The Bob Hoskins makeover is... <laughs> that yeah, man. I was I was literally about to bring that up <laughs> because there is a scene where he's where where Denzel's like you got to get some style, man. So they do like a like a five ten minutes it's long. It was the longest part since the credits, and like yeah. me being like, when's this movie gonna get going here again? Yeah, yeah. Like, he gets a manicure, he gets his toes done, he gets his hair done, he gets a facial, he gets a suit, he gets a terrible suit. Uh, and the place that they go to get suits is the most 80s meets 90s place because there's like cement angled slabs with like <laughs> suits suits just like laid on them like displayed on these 90s slabs of concrete and you're like what year is this? Oh my god. Yeah, pretty pretty good. And on the note of 80s and 90s, like this is a movie that's so 90s trying to hold on to the 80s because it's like a we have the kind of um we're trying to hang on to that buddy cop but kind of racially charged like thing that you could do in the 80s but also be like but we're a little forward thinking and so it's like so weird you're like I don't understand that where where this movie sits yeah it's a lot of movie I've noticed from doing this uh podcast that you know when we started with it being a segment on See you Next Wednesday with 87, things were just wildly 80s. Yeah. And just like, and you kind of could just buy into it because mm-hmm. there was no, there's no fucking rules. People were just like, make whatever. And we'll never get a decade like that again, unfortunately, where there's just like money thrown blindly into projects and just like do whatever they want. But that kind of vibe, the wackiness and zaniness of the 80s as it goes from 88 to 89, and we're starting to run out of ideas, and then that thing's starting to sell too. You get to 1990 where there's no identity anymore. We don't know what the decade coming is going to be, but we're trying to do these things that worked five years ago that don't work anymore. Mm -hmm. Because this kind of high concept thing, high concept, uh, this kind of convoluted concept thing... Or just a total, yeah, concept-driven movie. Like, this isn't about a story. This is about a bigot gets a black heart, and now he sees his ghost movie. Yeah. And that's what this is. That's how they sold I can't, I don't know how this thing looked on the, uh, you know, as, as, a, as a one sheet or something like that, or trying to sell it. You know, was the hooker storyline in there? Did they force it in? How yeah. did it all go down? I have no idea. But it's this guy, he's a writer. I can't remember his name, the, the, uh, the director. He, you know, did a bunch of TV stuff, a lot of like just whatever, you know, and it kind of feels like that. Just like, you know, we just got to have a situation. All we need is the situation and then we'll just fucking roll with it. And like certain scenes, like again, like with the mom when she's going through the old stuff is like, that's like it's quite a, you know, would be great for like a drama show. And then there's other things that would be great for like a nice sitcom sort of show. You know what I mean? I, I feel like maybe the script was more serious. Because it seems like the hooker subplot would be in like a real dark kind of drama, and they were like, "No, nah, we got to lighten this up." 
Yeah. <laughs> Lighten this hooker story up. <laughs> with with some racism. With a ghost. What was with all the ghost movies in 1992? Yeah, ghost. Ghost. Ghost dad. Yeah. 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 Gee, it was a hot topic. Get it in there. This is the racially charged ghost. The '90s is gonna be about ghosts. Like, (laughs) well, it's funny because I, as when you brought up Ghost Dad right there, I was the whole time I was watching this, I'm like, oh, this is kind of like Ghost Dad meets Lethal Weapon. Yeah, but you know, real bad. I were we've done Ghost, now we did this, so. No. We're gonna have to do. Ghost no, Dad. we don't do Ghost Dad. I don't know what well, we we should have. I didn't even realize it happened. Oh, we blew our. Uh, no offense, to, it's wonderful to have you here, Ian. But what, what we should have done was the three movie comparison with Matt Price again because oh, we yeah. had him on for uh, The Abyss, Leviathan, and Deep Star Six. You know, yeah. Ghost, Heart Condition, and Ghost Dad. Well, we'll spread it out. So. There's got to be a three, another three for. There must be, but this is clearly the year of the ghost that we can all learn lessons from. Like, uh, be a good dad, uh, don't be racist, and don't murder me. <laughs> is, is, it, is is the lesson of this don't be racist? He really no, I don't know. It's don't eat, don't eat these terrible burgers and be nice to your hooker. <laughs> yeah. Or or if you are going to eat uh, lots of burgers and drink, you know, booze with your dog, uh, you're going to get the heart of your worst enemy. Yeah, this is true. And if you but and if you're going to be a nice bigot, you at least ask your hooker where she wants to eat. Yeah. That's what I learned from this. Yeah. Uh, it's probably a and you're going to get a makeover with a shitty looking suit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well we haven't even mentioned that the whole thing about Denzel Washington is he wants him to figure out who killed him and he's like right. you got to help me cuz I can't cuz I'm oh, dead. Yeah. And the pimp? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't, but again, I don't even know why. I don't know why he was killed. They didn't even figure it out. He just like he turns it turns into Cyrano de Bergerac, where he just it's just Denzel teaching Bob Hoskins how to win over his fucking hooker. Yeah, and you gotta you gotta kill the pimp, <laughs> right? Who who what? I don't know. I don't know what was going on with the pimp. He was just generic. It was bullshit. I ah, oh, he had no personality. There was no presence in the villain. There wasn't a villain. It was really nothing. No, he just, just shows up. I don't know his name. I don't he, know what he wanted. I just know that he is like his go-to thing. If you piss him off is he will inject you with heroin. Yeah. <laughs> Which, uh, honestly, not a bad move. Yeah. That's all right. It sends a message. Oh, yeah? Well, lights out. <laughs> and, and, there's, and there's a lot of things that aren't really tied up either. Like the senator at the beginning with the heroin. Or that mm. there was, sorry, the crack. Yeah, I don't know what that had to do with anything other than she took pictures of it. And... uh you know, yeah, she was, likes to do that for her art for class her to art. support her child so she can get right. into art school. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that's how I, you know, that's the it's the age old story of if you want to support your uh, young child, you should take some hooker pictures. And yeah, I didn't right even realize. School, no problem. I didn't even realize. Yeah, that that was like her art, like the photo stuff. I was just like, this is just what this senator guy likes is no, like a like photo fun. Yeah, that's okay. wouldn't he be like. Hey, don't take pictures of me. I'm a I'm senator. A senator. <laughs> Maybe. If yeah, he, yeah. Uh, you know, well, if you can't trust your street walking hooker, who can you trust? Yeah. Oh, she seemed boy. like a nice enough lady. She was yeah, well, school. she's Chloe Webb. She's very inviting. Yeah. That was like the reveal of the two of them having both had relations with the same hooker was so weird because I was like, he's a cop. This guy's a lawyer. It just seemed, it was like, I don't understand what Bob Hoskins' past is with her. I was like, it, for a while, I thought it was like his daughter or or, or, or his like ex-wife or something, something like that. Which daughter would have made more sense? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they both and like he's so jealous of Denzel having been with her too, and I'm like, well, buddy. She's a hooker. <laughs> yeah, and, and with the heart of gold. With a heart of gold, but still. And she has Denzel's kid. 
Yeah, which, which that's a big reveal at the end. Well, not the end, but you know that goes into the third act as you find out that the reason that she's on the run and she's cleaned up and stuff like that is because she got knocked up by Denzel, yeah. who is uh, yeah, barebacking with a hook. <laughs> Oh, yeah. There's lots of lessons in this movie. Oh, yeah. Like, many things to learn. Uh, she got pregnant by Denzel, and she's had his baby, and he's like, whoa, because Ghost Denzel. Nah, Ghost Dad tie-in. He, maybe he should have watched Ghost Dad. Learned a thing or two. Uh, so then she's got the baby, and then they've got to now save the baby from the pimp. Because <laughs> just... of something. Yeah. <laughs> Did ever really God reveal. damn this movie. Oh, this movie sucks. Yeah. Um, yeah. Boy, the more I just think about what's going on in it and talk about it, it just makes no fucking sense at all. And I still don't really remember because, I, I I mean, I did zone out, but not enough to have missed all, like, I don't know. How did someone say this was okay? This this hooker movie about a ghost. <laughs> what is it rated? Anyone know? It's R, it's rated R for sure. It was rated R. Yeah, for nudity and the, all the drugs. Uh, yeah, there was some nudity at the beginning. They don't, but they didn't, like, the nudity at the beginning isn't really necessary. No. Again, that's the thing. Like, it start, you start off, like, I seriously start off thought, thinking this is going to be, like, like kind of like a weird action comedy, like a lethal yeah. weapon, weird yeah. sort of thing. And then once, what changed is once the scat the scatting came in on the score. Yeah. That's when I was like, okay, something's up here. Yeah. And then when Danzel, when he picks up the hooker and he's like, I thought you were going to quit doing that. And she's like, yeah. oh, this is what she says. The best part, she's like, oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, come on. <laughs> it's just a little hook in. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just fucking sending her doing some blow. Come yeah. on. And all the little, like, the, the little noise hits, the little, like, bing, wing, 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 wing. Well, it's oh, like, it's like, it's totally a movie that they were like, this is not funny enough, so how can we make it funnier? Yeah. Well, we already shot the movie. Let's just put a bunch of boings on there. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of felt bad for the director because it's his uh, first movie out the gate, like his first theatrical movie out the gate. Directed. Yeah, this yeah. is his pet project. And, like, did he just have, like, so many studio execs being like, I don't know if this Hooker Ghost movie is going to go over too well. You got to have some of this in there. Like, yeah. you got to do some of this. And he was, like, just so gung-ho to make a movie that he was like, yeah, okay, this sounds good. So now at the end of the movie, he they he marries his hooker. Yeah. Bob Hoskins. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's the last shot is he's married to her. And there's all kinds of stuff. So Denzel's there just the whole time. He has to like chill. So that he is he watching when Bob Hoskins yeah. bangs her? And he's he, does he have to sit there when Bob Hoskins shits or does like his whole daily thing? Is he just always like oh, that would have been the movie I wanted. Yeah, <laughs> like, like, like that would have been a funny movie. Is awkward ghosts movie? Yeah, <laughs> is is him raising Danzel's kid the whole time? Like, yeah, just no, is like... he gonna just be there forever? Like it's not like Quantum Leap or like we solved the mystery. So I'm out of here. Thanks, Ziggy. Um, he's just that's just it now. Now they live together forever, yeah. and he's gonna raise Denzel's baby. Unbeknownst to the baby, you know, that ghost dad is there the whole time, like, oh, tell him to do this. Shut up, you stupid ghost. Could you imagine? You don't have a job. Could you imagine having the conversation with that kid growing up? Hey, so how did you two meet? Well, uh, your mom is, uh, your mom used to be a hooker <laughs> yeah. who was banging this lawyer that yeah. uh, I hated. I, yeah, I, yeah. I shot at him a Not couple because times. of anything with his personality, just because he's a black guy I hated him. Yeah, so he died, and then uh, I got his heart. <laughs> And uh, sometimes you see me talking randomly. It's because uh, I'm talking to your dad. Yeah, he's like, you know that, you know that weird stuff that's been happening since you were a kid. It's the ghost of my wife's ex-lover lawyer. <laughs> Please yeah. make a sequel to this now. 
<laughs> get Denzel in there. His ghost is aged, I'm sure. Well, not that he looks any older. And just, yeah, I want to see this kid growing up and trying to relate. You know, he's going off to college okay. now. Yeah. <laughs> Heart yeah. condition to critical condition. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, with I mean, you, Bob your... Hoskins is passed on, but whatever. We'll get yeah, somebody man. in there. With your love lifting me high. See? It's right in the go. background. That's yeah. perfect. Yeah. Who did they try and get to play? Uh, Robert, they asked Brian Dennehy, Robert Duvall, and Gene Hackman. Dennis Hopper. Nope. Oh, man. None of them. For the Bob Hoskins part. Yeah. I guess in 1990, that's how that checklist goes down. Like, well, we'll get Hoskins. Everybody like Roger Rabbit. <laughs> did you, if, I, bet you, I wonder if Gene Hackman, if he did this, I wonder if he wouldn't have done Mooseport and just kept on making better movies. Well, I don't know. <laughs> what, I feel like he did like a... Uh, what am I thinking of? Loose Cannons. It was like right around this time where he was like the bitter, shitty, kind of biggity cop. Wasn't that from 1990? Loose Cannons? I bet it is. With him and uh, Dan Aykroyd. Dan Aykroyd on the cover, it's like Gene Hackman's looking at Dan Aykroyd like, Tah! and Dan Aykroyd's holding a gun like, I don't know what this is. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> yeah. So that in theater of my mom, too. Who's hmm. canon? Oh, geez, I don't know. Yep. Oh, this thing stinks. I don't know what it is. Yeah. Oh, I saw that movie on TBS. <laughs> <laughs> Very funny. Uh, I'm pretty sure that movie's probably terrible. Oh yeah, it's but real now bad. I'm gonna have to watch just to make sure. Mm-hmm. Cool to do for the show. Yeah, maybe. Dom DeLuise is in it. Can't go wrong. Loose Clark. cannons. I get it. What is it? An unconventional cop who doesn't take any bull is paired with an amazing detective to capture some powerful criminals. <laughs> just capture some power. They're just some powerful criminals. No need to worry about that. But the cop soon realizes that his by the book partner has split personality disorder. Oh my. That's <laughs> concept heavy. 1990. They didn't know what that was going on. So, all right. I don't know what else to really say about heart condition. It's a comedy without any jokes, a lot of uncomfortable moments, more, more convoluted hooker plot than I ever would have imagined. Um, well, you know, I'll, I will ask you guys what we learned from heart condition, but I, I want to ask maybe, maybe another question we should ask weekly or bi-weekly on, uh, time bandits. Could you see this movie getting made today? Some of these movies from 1990, sure. You could see it working now. Is there, is there a reality where heart condition gets greenlit today? Um, I, I think so, but it would be it would be different. I could see the concept. I don't think they would try and and do the racial stuff yeah. unless they were really trying to make it like some I, like you don't see people doing the high concept like fantasy thing tackling mm-hmm. a, a a like a social thing so head on like yeah. this is about a racist guy and there's a ghost who's black. Like you would see it like. You know, it's about class or it's about race, but it's not really. You have to look into it. In the '80s, they were like, "No, he's going to he's going to Harvard and he's going to take tanning pills and he's going to be in blackface." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think if they were to do it nowadays as well, the whole hooker aspect would as probably as it, no it would hookers. Be, it's, it's and it would, yeah, there. probably wouldn't be a race thing. It would be like, uh, you know, a hipster vegan mm-hmm. gets killed and goes into the body of a guy yeah. who. And, uh, at best, likes Folgers and meat. Yeah, and at best, know. he's just an alcoholic. 
Yeah, he's sure. Not, he's not, he's best, not racist. Like, he's just an alcoholic. Yeah, and it's, it's, that's not a craft beer. You can't drink that. Oh, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I could actually see maybe them doing a movie like that based on like a buddy movie where one guy is like a non-PC, you know, like says anything to be offensive, but this person is like a social justice like Twitter warrior and they are going to butt heads and maybe learn that we're all human and we should just be tolerant for everybody. Oh, gross. <laughs> <laughs> who would star in that movie? I don't know. Who? Who? who I don't know. Is this a Dane Cook picture? No, yeah. he's not in movies anymore. We're all decided. Well, no thanks, be, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> but Dane Cook could be the like offensive guy. Oh, for sure, for sure. And then yeah, we'll get a yeah. Uh, yeah. I'd say uh, I don't even know who, who. Who would even still do that movie? Who's the, yeah, <laughs> no. Well, I think yeah, not not a lot of ghost like, swap uh, movies happening anymore. What a bummer. Maybe it, that's what we need. More ghost swapping movies. Yeah, yeah. How else are we gonna learn? If we don't learn from ghosts. Speaking of that, what did we learn from heart condition? Uh, I learned that I should stop eating cheeseburgers so much because I might die and get the heart of someone I hate. <laughs> Not bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <clears throat> uh, I'm, I learned a couple of things. I don't know. Uh, don't get uh, your hooker pregnant. Mm-hmm. Don't marry your hooker. Don't be a bigot. Uh, oh man, I don't know. Don't don't watch this movie. Is uh, oh, oh. what yeah. I learned. <laughs> I uh, I learned that uh, drinking with your dog just adds to your loneliness. Oh, cat. Oh, cat. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't cat. make your cat an alcoholic. That's what I think we all learned. <laughs> yeah. Well, but you see the cat at the end at the uh, at the wedding. The cat came to the wedding, which is nice mm-hmm. and and clearly okay. I want that's that's the sequel I want to see. The cat has a heart attack and gets the heart of a dog or something i wish that cat was just like and coughed up cigarettes oh that would have been the best or like the top of a burger bun yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. all right yeah so heart condition no no thanks oh god um what a weird time that was well let's shift gears and pop in a cassette uh yeah thanks <laughs> uh 1990 uh a lot of interest this is much like the movies there's a lot of split identities going on things kind of haven't been fleshed out yet but there were a lot of really strong releases and uh one of the most uh, heralded metal albums of all time uh for speed or thrash and uh, i guess some would say also the opening the floodgates for extreme metal down the line megadeth's fourth album rust in peace was released uh, on september 24th 1990 um megadeth is of course the uh, uh the band featuring dave mustaine who was famously in metallica but fired and then uh came back to start up his own thing megadeth uh, let's talk about our history with the band and then we'll get into the album i have not a great history with this band because i had a trouble getting into them because i always hated dave mustaine's voice Mostly because of the, I realize now from listening to this album that there was a little bit of a shift in his tone in the 90s that started uh, with the the album following this one, Countdown to Extinction. There was just something a little bit more nasally and frankly silly, I found it, with Dave Mustaine's voice. I'm not the only person who feels this way. There's a lot of uh, haters on Mustaine's voice. Casey, too, has not not been a Megadeth fan. I've always been like, hey, sweet riffing, but too bad that guy's singing. Uh, So this was my first real time with rust and peace i've heard some of these songs before but have never really given it the time of day 
And as like a metal guy, I because of his kind of higher nasally voice, it wasn't my thing. I was more of a Slayer guy. I liked that aggressive, lower, baritone metal mm-hmm. dudes. You know, like you know, Hatfield's got a, kind of a higher pitch at the end, but he's got that aggressive angle that I always kind of went for more. So I just I wasn't a Megadeth guy. But because we had time, mm-hmm. by postponing this episode, I listened to this album a lot more than I probably would have for a time but time bandits episode and i fucking put it on over and over and over and over and i'm like damn these are good riffs man these are really good and i was like damn he's not singing like the 90s because i think uh either 99 ways to die or uh a couple of things from countdown to extinction are the perfect example of what i dislike about what megadeth would become with his vocal, with the, um, you know, like, uh, hello, me, this is the real me. <laughs> I've been redorculated. Uh, it just, no good. <laughs> and he, he's not really doing it on this album. And as I let my, because I went into this with bias. This is the problem. I didn't go into this with an open mind. I just went in with bias. and But I got an extra couple of weeks. And now I kind of love this album. Yeah, it's pretty great. It's pretty, pretty good, and I need to explore their catalog more. Uh, Dan Gorman, this was your first run with them? Yeah, so I Megadeth to me before this was just like, oh, it's the name of a band that's one of the big like metal bands. Yeah, it wasn't, yeah, it yeah. was just like I knew them as like, yeah, Metallica and Megadeth and, <laughs> and Slayer and those yeah. the ones that are like the big, you know. Um, but I'd never really, I don't even think I had heard many of their songs, even like all the way through, like I'd really just never gotten around to checking them out. And so, and I, I can actually understand what you mean by his voice, because to me, his voice really sits kind of between like, you know, almost like the sort of late eighties glammy kind of like very showy theatrical Mm -hmm. sort of metal. That's not like metal metal. And then, but also kind of because the Megadeth is thrashy and progressive and stuff and their, and their, their song structures change around a lot. It was really weird to kind of hear this kind of metal being played like that, which is something that as a casual metal fan, I, as a casual metal fan, I I associate with like new stuff like like Mastodon and like mm-hmm. all this stuff that has the sort of progressive rock trappings of the kind of songs. So I was listening to this being like, this fucking rocks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for yeah. sure, for sure. I think like so th- this album I first started listening to when I was thirteen. Good for you. Um <laughs> Yeah, because that's when I started getting into metal because I was listening I was <laughs> I got into metal listening to Blink like I was first listening to Blink One Eight Two and stuff like that. And my brother, it was like SLC Puck. My brother walks in and is just like, "Fuck you, get this shit <laughs> off the stereo." And then he tossed me like Megadeth and Metallica and all that stuff. So I was so I played a lot of Mario Kart to Hangar Eighteen. <laughs> you know, like you mean like Mario Kart Sixty Four? Like I played a lot. Nice. And so what's really interesting about this record is the first of all, it's the first one when they're actually all the members are sober. They're actually right. yeah. So they had fired uh, the drummer and and lead guitar player mm-hmm. uh, just after the tour for so far so good. So what? Because of drug issues and yeah. blah blah and blah. So this is this, and this is the first uh, classic lineup album. Like this lineup would stay cemented yeah. for a very long time. Marty Freeman is like the like guitar player for this 
band at this point. He is a super good guitar player. Yeah, he's incredible. Yeah. Um, so you got so the reason why it even sounds different than all their other ones is because yeah, they're all clean, and this is the first time where they actually finished making an album with a producer all the way through. They always kept on firing their producer because they were strung out and wasted and everything, and the right. producer would be like, "You got to sober up," and they'd be like, "Fuck you, you're fired." <laughs> This is the real me. Yeah, 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 right. Um, and they got, and they got, uh, and the guy that produced this was uh, Mike Clink of the guy that did all the Guns N' Roses records. Right, right. And everything. So uh, they actually put a lot of work into it and finished it, and they were clean, and you can really hear that. And Marty Friedman is an incredible guitar player. Like he's mainly self-taught, does a lot of like that neoclassical metal shit. Mm-hmm. And uh, so there's a lot of time signatures and stuff like that in this record. And it really pushed. I think Dave Mustaine sounds different because it pushed him to a whole another level of kind of using his voice. Um, yeah, I'll, I would agree with that. Um, uh, yeah, this album, part of the reason, too, was with his voice. And uh, this is where I, I learned to appreciate him because he's walking a line in between something that is in the Hetfield range, but their music isn't quite like Metallica, you know? I mean, yeah. they would take a cues from Metallica along the way because, uh, like, Injustice for All was mm-hmm. an incredibly complicated album, technically speaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this was a big leap forward for them as well. This is one that followed you know, right after. And then when Metallica did a, a, a pared down, you know, before the Masses album, the Black album, mm-hmm. then that's Megadeth followed suit, and that's Countdown to Extinction is. It's a little, it's a little easier to swallow. It wasn't quite as... Uh, Radio friendly as Metallica got, but that's because what Mustaine Mustaine does is never going to be quite that thing. Um, <clears throat> but he walks a line vocally, and the band kind of walks a line, something in between thrash and hardcore metal. That is also then the, the other side of it is like where you get with Iron Maiden. Yeah, and he's not a like I I wasn't really sitting right with him because I'm like, well, you're not a Bruce Dickinson, you're not going to get up there and give me those killer notes because he doesn't have that kind of voice. Mm-hmm. But he kind of plays with those melodies more than he does a, a barky sort of you know punk rock approach like the Tom Araya has or something like that, you know. Yeah. And that was definitely more my jam. I wanted when I first got into metal when I was a young guy, I really wanted really aggressive stuff, and I didn't like it when it had kind of like an up or I you know I didn't like. Uh, um, not lighter metal, but I was because I I was heavily influenced by a lot of industrial metal too. I wanted really dark, really fast, mm-hmm. and you know the world is going to just fall apart and we're all going to die metal. <laughs> yeah, and some of these you know these brighter chords were not for me. But listening to this now, as my palate has become a little more experienced with metal over the years, um, this is just fucking unbelievable. The riffing on this album is nuts. I've always said that I've uh, Mustaine's a fantastic guitar player, but again, I've never properly digested an album, and this really was a, such a great experience. Yeah, like when I say that it was surprising to hear the progressive stuff, it's not like I didn't know that like that's going on in metal and stuff, but it's yeah. just this album has this really crazy, awesome balance of like especially like I was saying with his vocals like you hear him doing it's almost like more of something that you would expect in like a Judas Priest or something but yeah, or like yeah. a kind of like really high really theatrical yeah. really running from low to high and high to low it's not just like screaming and yelling um but then going with like the moments of crazy blast beat thrash metal and then popping back to like something like you were saying the brighter chords and yeah, yeah. it's like 
for for someone i would even give this album to somebody who doesn't really like metal because i think it's interesting there's so much going on you know it jumps from crazy metal it jumps from you know like progressive uh sort of post-rock sort of like like stuff that you can hear this obviously had an influence on it's just there's for the modern listener, there's so much that you can be like, oh, they were taking this from what happened oh, before, yeah, and then this yeah. is where I can hear these bands today are calling For back sure. to. I didn't really realize how much of an impact this album had until yeah. I spent this amount of time with it. I'm just like, oh, fuck me, man. This really <laughs> yeah. reached far. This is a big one. This is a really, really important record that I just... Uh, unfortunately cast aside for so long. I don't think I'll ever come around on his vocal stuff later. And there were some really questionable choices. They never went as far as, again, as far as Metallica went, as far as you know, selling out and going in the wrong direction, alienating their audience. But he took a stab at it uh, yeah. in the late 90s. But at the same time, there's, you know, there's four albums, I think, that are probably... Well, I'm going to dive into them. I can't really speak on them. The only one I've ever spent any time with other than uh, this was uh, uh, Peace Sells with Who's Buying. <clears throat> and you know uh, it's hard to i kind of was biased with his voice and also mustaine kind of seemed like a whiny bitch bit <laughs> you know when you watch the metallica documentary and there's that that just painful to watch scene with him and lars Ulrich, and just like <laughs> jesus christ man just shut up you sold millions of records stop whining yeah where he wants the forgiveness for getting kicked out. He's like, I'm just with a little Danish buddy. We're oh, going to smoke hash and sit under a bush. Stop it. Just <laughs> stop it. No one likes it. But at the same time, I I, I've, I can't judge, you know, my metal bands based on the dudes in it. Because Metallica, they're a bunch of shitbags. The guys in Slayer that are still alive, they're a bunch of shitbags. Yeah. You know, even the lighter stuff, Eddie Van Halen, that guy's a piece of shit. Oh, you know, yeah. The only guy who's like, okay, in metal, like all metal dudes seem like, ugh. Ugh, what's the matter with you once you get big enough except for bruce dickinson he's like a fucking superhero he's flying planes in and saving people's lives and being awesome yeah fucking a bruce uh but everybody else you just gotta accept that if they're a, a metal superstar they're probably a piece of shit <laughs> yeah um now there are multiple versions of this album um and from from your perspective as somebody who was in it at the time have you listened to like the remastered where they like re-recorded a bunch of it uh yeah and it's not you can really hear the mad you can't you can really not hear the magic that's in it in that original take because it doesn't it's been called like the this the uh, star wars special editions of metal yeah. right <laughs> yeah it's um i really don't appreciate it i would rather just listen to this um because Marty, it's it's Freeman, man. I'm sorry. He just... Oh, man. How do I explain this? He's just... He just nails everything. And you were literally hearing the personification of, like, we were, you were just saying earlier, of that thrash metal sound. Like, yeah. this is, like, this is the... This is, like, the thrash metal album of, like, the 90s, man. It started in 90, and then they really didn't do an album better than that better than this since they really uh, haven't and that kind of pairing when you have like you, you need the two guitars with this kind of metal and, uh -huh. and uh, mustaine's a fantastic guitar player yeah um uh, but he was elevated by marty you know you can hear it and the, the riffing is tighter it's uh, you know there's a magic that happens with the right combination of yeah. people and you can't just swap people in and out it just doesn't quite work like that and uh, yeah to, i i don't like it when i i'm not familiar with the uh uh 
uh, the, the remastered re-recordings of this album at all. I was going to listen to them, and I said it not to, because I'm like, well, I'll just point I'm, yeah. I'm enjoying Megadeth for the first time. I'm not going to fuck around with it. Um, <laughs> I would say, like, they're interesting to listen to. I listened to it about half and half, because the remastered ones are the only ones on, like, RDO and Spotify, mm-hmm. and then the original was on YouTube and stuff. I will say... The original, it's really hard for me to hear the bass in the original. And the re-recordings, they really kick the bass up. And you're like, okay, I can hear the awesome shit going on in here. But at the same time, I can understand. Like, if I was listening to the original at the time, and then they were like, we remastered it. And it was like, like, because it really sounds modern. Like, they've re-recorded the guitars with new equipment from what I can... It's like, it has crunch. It has a whole new production sound. I don't mind it because I didn't grow up with the album so i'm not like well where's my fucking album but yeah, at the same yeah. time i'm like i get it yeah oh yeah. i definitely get it i when anytime I, something i like by a band has been redone by the band themselves i almost never care for the second version of it you know yeah it's like i don't man, don't bother and especially because you know uh Alfredson, the bass player to megadeth he isn't on he's not the bass player on the remastered version yeah you know and see that's no good you can't yeah. you can't do that and i think and this is the thing, man, with the original is it's perfect because it's imperfect. You know what I mean? Because yeah. you can't really hear, you know, the bass as well. well as they you have can a little, the but they allow at least allow a little. It's not like they uh, uh, Jason Newsteaded it. You know, no, you can hear the bass, not. and he gets a little like little flash moments where the band drops out, and they're just like, boop, 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 boop. oh yeah, like that. Hey, oh. there's a bass player here. <laughs> like, uh, like I think it's I think it's track four that starts off with yeah. like that dirty, dirty yeah, 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 bass yeah. line, like, yeah. and it gets a nice little break in it. Um, uh, Take No Prisoners, I feel like, has a little bass jump in it, too. Five Magics. Um, but, yeah, I, the only time I've ever liked uh, a, a change-up in, like, a classic album like this is actually Injustice for All, because there's no bass on that record. You can't mm-hmm. hear it even a little bit. But somebody, at some point about, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago, put out uh, a different version of it called Injustice for Jason, mm-hmm. where they yeah. jacked all the bass tracks up, and that went... been. When I went from being a metallic album, I didn't really listen to it too much because I hated how tinny it felt, you know, with mm-hmm. no with no bottom end, to putting his bass right in the mix. You can like, have it on vinyl too, dude. Can you get that on vinyl now? Yeah, you can. You can get Injustice for Jason on vinyl. Yeah, they have it at a uh, rotate this. Yeah, they that's got it behind, wicked. Last time I was there, they have it behind the counter, and oh, it's like man. right there, Justice for Jason. Oh, it's so good. If you are a metallic fan or even a casual one, I mean, that's a big mm-hmm. record that's got one on it and blackened. You know, go get it. Get the find it online or go if you can get it on vinyl. I didn't know that. Yeah, get Injustice for Jason. Jason, it is great because he really showed up to play. He knew he was filling in for Cliff Burton and was never going to be as good as him. Because yeah. who is? Cliff was uh, a different kind of animal. Yeah. But he plays his fucking ass off and he's great. And a mm-hmm. couple of those tunes are just so much more alive now with bass. Yeah. Well, yeah, because there's Dyer's Eve, which, or sorry, To Live Is To Die, which was written yeah. by Cliff. And mm-hmm. you now hear the bass just come yeah. out and you're like, oh my God. Yeah, it's so much better. But anyway, that's Metallica and this is Megadeth. Yeah. And, it's a, and it's a different type of metal it really you have to kind of accept that that this is something in between metallica and maiden i feel like it's sort of a bridge yeah and it's this thrash style but man it's i i feel kind of stupid for not giving it the time of day you know or being just so biased on on those fucking 99 ways to die oh come on buddy (laughs) but uh and maybe the bangs is it the bangs i don't know mustaine and the bangs (laughs) yeah i know (laughs) another thing Uh -uh. if you ever want to hear that's uh pretty cool that's online is uh Dave Mustaine singing Ride the Lightning because he wrote that. Oh, no shit. 
Yeah. Huh. So there's actually a copy of him doing the original vocals. No kidding. To the yeah, to the Metallica song, you know, "Ride the Lightning" yeah, yeah, before yeah, they yeah. kicked him out of the band. Oh wow! And it's uh totally different because he's got that high pitched voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, man. Oh sweet. So, uh, yeah, well, I'm gonna keep listening to Megadeth for sure. This has been a real, real good time. Yeah. And yeah, the album's great. I think uh, I don't know what my go to song is. Like Hangar 18 is astoundingly good. Boy, yeah, do I like I, that. a lot of Mario Kart, man. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And Perfect Dark. Obviously, <laughs> Holy Wars, that is a hell of a tune. I like Five Magics, too, because it's kind of silly. <laughs> uh, yeah, the the first side is just like, woo, it just cooks for, like from the first track into yeah. the next few, because mm-hmm. a couple of the first few songs are some of the longer songs, like especially the Take No Prisoners, just like... Woo! Like the first song. Like if you put on the first half of this album and you don't like it, you're just like, all right. Um, you like like stick around maybe. But if it's like really not doing it for you, you might not. Yeah, because because they really in those first few songs jump, do some crazy crazy. Yeah, they push the limit. Yeah, definitely. If I was to go somewhere next, where would it be? And off of oh, what, for Megadeth. Yeah. Oh. Um. Would it be back to so far? Yeah, I would. Oh, I would almost say if I was Greg. P cells back to that. Yeah, I would say back to P cells mm-hmm. because that's the only one again that's like really really listenable. Because killing is my killing is my business and business is good. Their first record, yeah, um, is really like that. Is they're just on speed, yeah, and they're drinking a lot, yeah, and it's just a bunch of angry kids. Like, cause they're like eighteen again, nineteen when they recorded that album, so they're just young, angry giving you know smashing it out so i'd say peace sells is next okay uh, my favorite track though off of rust in peace is probably tornado of souls yeah it's got that really cool riffage at the beginning because that's where you can hear where you know mastodon get got their influence yeah. for sure you know what i mean um and a lot of progressive metal bands like that yeah uh, there's a lot of cool foundation work on this record mm-hmm. you know and they definitely do sit in that little bit like part of what metallica's thing was that worked for them so well was they left a little bit of convention behind of what a lot of these metal bands did. Like Megadeth falls in closer to that uh, Iron Maiden thing with like having a a, uh, a mascot and yeah. stuff like that. You know, obviously Iron Maiden has Eddie when it's pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. And Megadeth has uh, their guy who looks cool, definitely, like the Peace Sells album. What a great album cover. Yeah. What a great album cover. But it's always bothered me that his name is Vic Rattlehead. <laughs> so stupid. I, I didn't I didn't, didn't know he had a name. Didn't even know he had a name. Vic Rattlehead. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> I don't know why. It's, yeah, I don't know. Victor? Is he Victor? Victor Rattlehead. Uh Mr. Victor Rattlehead. Um I don't know. I think another great thing to appreciate about Megadeth as well, which they never really lost except for well, pretty much after this album was that they're it's political, you know. Yes. Like, there's some really cool politics stuff in it, like the for con- sure. Like the concept for Rust and Peace, which is what's hilarious. It's a about a government conspiracy with aliens. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and so that's his two things: the fuck, fuck the government and also space. Yeah, I, <laughs> fuck, yeah. we're getting probed, and the government hates oh, us. Yeah, um, pretty good. I don't know what else to say here. I'm, I really want to dig into them more. I wish I had a better background on uh, Megadeth as a listener my whole life. I'm such a, I feel silly. 
yeah. <laughs> but I'm really excited, like delving into because this is my era that I like the most out of metal. I love speed metal. I'm like, if I can start to swallow his uh, his voice for the first rec- four records, then mm-hmm. I've just got a whole bunch of shit I can really enjoy. And I just I like how if there's something, it is sort of it's so. Bah, theatrical and weird like there's the the this guy voice comes oh, yeah. <laughs> on oh, yeah. on uh on five magic it's like the uh the voice in uh uh Benign Auslander by Popolite itself which is like it's so <laughs> silly you know <laughs> grappled in the foot by the rise of the rye uh, I spent some time with Popolite so nobody knows what I'm talking about you guys are too young listen uh you had to be there I don't think Dos Titos Mi Amigos will uh translate well to someone who didn't listen to it in 1993 um, but I like that kind of just crazy thing and it really works where it's like if I listen back to that Pop Lead Itself stuff like I know I like it but if I know if you heard it you'd be like yeah sure <laughs> but that kind of silly shit really works here and it doesn't seem silly it seems like legit like I buy it when they do that like this is the way we're just fucking doing this yeah pretty cool and uh, it's before Dave's voice like he really started to get Upper high and whiny because he, yeah. he gets because he gets really whiny. Like, you ever heard the song Kill the King? Yeah, no, yeah. Oh man, it's <laughs> I do a pretty good impression. Yeah, right. I'm, not, I'm not gonna lie, he's like, it's the song is straight up like, you know, uh, I am the king, the king is dead, and that's all that's <laughs> like, that's all it is, man. It's it's like he's just so fucked. Like, yeah. Oh, it's really bad. Like, he's really trying to figure out something right. Like, you ever heard the song Train of Consequence? Train of Consequences, it's never turning back. And it's like, and, it's, and the riff is just the most weird, annoying thing ever. And the video sucks. It's fucked. Like this is the like this is the it's a just a really fucking they capped it. They didn't if they broke up after this record, I would have been totally cool with that. Yeah, that's what I was gonna ask. Is there like is there beyond this that really that falls in like not really because everything else is kind of laughable. Like you're saying, like sweating bullets came after this, and that's yeah, the one yeah. where it's like, "Hello, me, meet the real me." Yeah, so stupid. In my misfits uh, way of life. Now that <laughs> one being like uh, the the sort of you know uh, accessible album. Is there anything uh, like okay, Metallica after the Black Album did load and all that shit? And they cut their uh-huh. hair and they did some really horrendous shit forever, really. Yeah, the rest of their career was so bad because I didn't like the Black Album when it came out. I no, was like, this I... isn't Metallica. This is bullshit. But the rest of the shit after that was so bad that the Black Album became good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was like, well, this is all right. So is like. Is is Countdown to Extinction better now because of later Megadeth stuff? Although, again, they never went as far as, like, load. Yeah. They never did that. Oh, for sure. And if that, yeah, given that argument, yeah, absolutely. They never, right. they never, they never dipped to the point of you being like, well, I'm out. Okay. You know, or, yeah, or, yeah. or, like, again, because like, even the Black Album really changed, like, that really changed Metallica. They really, yeah. they went from being a metal thrash band to the Monsters of Rock. Right. Megadeth never lost their edge. They just... Even then, no, like he the, st- he remained political. Yeah, he, he remained re- political. He didn't start talking about. He didn't go all nineties and be yeah. like, "But I'm sad." It's it's <laughs> the only thing that really you lose out of with Megadeth is his voice, just because he's getting older. And sillier, yeah. yeah, and then he still kept on doing. He was in and out of rehab on a bunch of albums, and you can hear that differentiation on like the songs and stuff like that. But the riffage and the soloing uh, still maintain. Like even when. He got out of rehab. I think it was for the sixth time, Dave Mustaine. Um, he did a, a Megadeth record where he pretty much did a lot of the instrumentation ex- himself, except for the guitar solos, which were all done by Marty Friedman. Right. And that was the album that came out in, I believe, 2004. What's it called? 
Oh, I can't remember the name okay. of it offhand. Oh. It's um, uh, the system has failed. Yeah, the system has failed. Yeah. Okay. The one I wanted to ask you about was Risk. Are you familiar with Risk? That was the big changed up. That was the closest thing they had to a load, <laughs> uh, uh, where they were going for radio. Then mm-hmm. I, I listened to, and it was called Risk. Yeah, it was a Risk, man. Don't you get it? <laughs> My, uh, when I first started like being in a band and playing music. Uh, we were having a band practice and we were always we put on albums like in between when we took a break. Risk was one of those albums because we were just like, we never really listened to Risk. And there's a reason why you never listen to Risk. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> cause ima- cause imagine them trying to do like a, imagine that voice on like a, the most r- just rock and roll, yeah. not metal type song. Yeah. It is brutal. It's like, fuck. Uh, apparently Dave said that uh, if it had been released under anybody else's name, it would have sold, though. Oh, <laughs> sure thing, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I, got, I need. I'm gonna give it a listen. I need to know. If if I have to know. if Lulu or whatever that Lou Reed Metallica record oh, was, oh, no. if that got released under a different name, it would still be shit. It's yeah, still yeah. shit. It's a bad album, man. It's yeah. his his voice can't do that. No, that's why they and went. It shouldn't. And that's why they went back to doing like just thrash metal, man. Yeah, you know, and when you have like, because he's not bad. He has a, a pretty okay sense of melody, which is what I found on this album. Like uh-huh. A couple of songs really work because he really sells it vocally. Uh, Hangar eighteen is an excellent example. That's just like his voice is perfect, and in the, in the, the vocal run he's come up with it for it is really solid. You know, and if you, if you have a guy who kind of walks a line and is sort of an in between thing, they're like. A, Tom Araya can really hit some high screams, but he doesn't sustain that. Uh-huh. No, he he's just kind of found his pocket and he sits in it. And there isn't a whole lot of, uh, you know, change up or dynamics to what Tom Araya does vocally. But there's no need for it because he just hits it so hard. And I feel like that's probably what would work best for Mustaine. Instead of getting more and more nasal, I don't know, if he just sat in that... I think there's a pocket he could sit in. Anyway, I'm going to start checking out the later stuff, mm. though. I'm going to kind of roll through their career. I'm going to go back and give uh, Peace Cells and So Far So Good a couple of listens, but I, I'm going to jump out there. I'm going, to, I'm going to try Countdown to Extinction again, see what I feel like now with that, but I'm going to hit the later stuff. Mm-hmm. I want to know what Risk sounds like. <laughs> I, and they got an album coming out this year, uh, it looks like. T- TBA, so says it. Did you hear Super Collider, the last one? No, I, uh, I stopped kind of... I sure. fell out of them in and around 2004, just because that's when... Well, yeah. I just started growing, like, listening to different bands, and I right, started right. getting into more punk rock yeah, around that point. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Uh, and that's actually when I started listening to um, Killing... Sorry, uh, their, their first one, yeah, Killing is My Business and Business is Good. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, when I started listening to that. Well, this was an eye-opener for me. This extra time was so necessary, because if we had done this two weeks ago, I would have just kind of just talked about what how much I don't like Dave Mustaine and fuck this album, and so mm. it shouldn't be as heralded as it is. But, but an extra two weeks, when you just sort of get rid of those biases and sort of just accept that's what it sounds like, you can really get into the deeper nuances of this album. And yeah, it's one of the best metal albums I've probably ever heard. Yeah. I, how cool. I, I, uh, apparently, the album from last year, or 2013, Super Collider, somebody said that even... Um, oh, where was it? Even Bon Jovi would have thought twice about releasing any of these songs as a B side. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good. Yeah. No, but I really liked Rest in Peace, and I've been listening to it a bunch, and I'm going to keep listening to it, and I am going to try and go Mm -hmm. back and listen to uh, a couple others. Just remember that, like, if when you go back earlier, it's uh, it's they're on a they're on a lot of speed. Yeah. And uh, they were drinking a lot, and 
Well, that's fine, man. It's like yeah. when you go back to Kill 'Em All but, with Metallica. They're like super drunk. His voice is so uh, young. Oh yeah, but <laughs> and it's kind of messy in parts, mm-hmm. you know. But it really works. I can really appreciate some messy metal because it's borderline on punk rock then you know but like this really is, extreme punk rock <laughs> yeah but this is the record that like for megadeth where you're literally hearing them all they're at the age where they're like this is their peak they're at the yeah. age they're yeah. finally clean they're playing together they're working with a producer to actually come out with a product and that's i think that's maybe why dave mistake could never really focus and get into that pocket and really push that band to even like another level because he kept on doing smack and Going yeah. back into rehab. Right. Hmm. Well, you know, it's probably best that they stay. Well, I mean, I, clearly these later albums are not great, but if Megadeth had gone too far, if they if they'd been successful with some kind of radio shit, it just, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think it would ever be right. It's, we, we, you know, so many of these metal bands lose you over the years because they change up or they go to, they turn into shit bags or they, you know, they try and go radio and it fucks with the whole thing. But I feel like Megadeth, you can just kind of like, you can just buckle down with them and like, yeah, all right. I know what I'm going to have forever from them. You know? Oh, yeah. They're called Megadeth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fucking A. I like it when you can come around on a band. Like last year, uh, it was Stone Roses for me. I, yeah. I never was into Stone Roses. And now I goddamn love that album. Not when we did the episode. It was afterwards because I just kind of kept going to. It was, again, it was one where the only, having the two weeks with the album wasn't enough. It's like a month later. I was like, fuck, I like this. <laughs> So this is great. So it's something new for uh, for me to dive into, which is exciting. Uh, I would say this is probably the album for people to start with. Yeah, yeah. Just go get it. Just to, yeah, and you should hear it once, even if you're not a uh, metal guy or uh, or lady. Uh, <laughs> go check out uh, Rest in Peace because it's a very important record that uh, shaped metal. Is still shaping metal. Uh-huh. Pretty fucking cool. Well, Dan Gorman, why don't you flick that switch and send us home? Clink, clink. it's so handy we're back in 2015 metal's still alright what a nice time we learned some so yeah we learned don't watch Heart Condition and listen to Megadeth Uh, Anthony East Mm -hmm. bass player uh, lead vocals for uh, the 92 Toronto Blue Jays Uh Uh, you got an album coming out or an EP rather called The Champ yeah. And is it officially released? What, well, this is now Friday. Is it today? Yeah, this so is it. if you're listening to this episode, you can go down to the Silver Dollar tonight uh-huh. and check out your show. and right, get 1105. Uh, 11.05. Fucking A, man. Uh-huh. Uh, and we will have a review up of the uh, EP on See You Next Wednesday in the next uh, week or two. Yeah. And we'll talk about it there. But uh, great band, one of my favorites in the city. And just you know, <laughs> you're, you. you're a dear friend. So it's Thanks, nice to have man. you on the show. This is great. Where can we uh, find this album and other uh, 92J stuff? Uh, just go to Bandcamp. Yeah. Uh, the 92BlueJays.com. Now, sorry, listen, looking your band up online is a huge pain in the ass. Yeah. Because there's apparently a sports team. <laughs> yeah. Hey, well. <laughs> So Who what's the thought? wording? If I'm going to go to Bandcamp, you just type in the yeah ninety two number bluejays okay dot bandcamp dot com. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Or or if you even just Google uh, the Blue Jays band, where the first, where the only thing that pops up. Yeah. Okay. Good. Good. Um. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, please come to the Silver Dollar tonight. 
to yeah. see the Jays play. It's a great live show. You guys are a fantastic band. Yeah. And uh, thanks for being patient with this episode and no problem. watching Heart Condition twice like a fucking trooper. It it almost gave me a heart condition. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, it was a trip, man. Yeah, it was a real nice time. Yeah. Uh, Dan Gorman, tell us about the internet. Oh my God! You can go to facebook.com slash time bandits podcast, or you can go to twitter.com slash time bandits pod, or you can head over to modernsuperior.com. Check us out as well as a lot of other shows, a lot of podcasts, a lot of blogs, stuff there for you to do. Do all of those things, and then keep listening to Time Bandits. I'm so caffeinated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I almost said keep listening to the skies. <laughs> Dave, keep your eye on the skies with Dave, man. Yeah. They're up there. <laughs> Pretty good. I want to believe. Um, baby, that's the score. Cooler, baby. Thanks again for having me. Thank you. What year is it? This is the 90s. 90s. This has been a presentation of the Modern Superior Media Network.